So I love movies. Whenever I watch one, I just get to feel like a kid again. I get all nostalgic, and I just feel like I'm going back into my childhood. And one of my favorite movies growing up was always Toy Story. I loved that movie so much because I loved the character of Woody. He was my all-time favorite, and so my parents bought me a Woody doll. And I loved my Woody. That's what I called him because I couldn't pronounce Woody. And Woody and I were BFFs. We went everywhere together. We were like goals. We were inseparable, and I loved him dearly. Now... Buddy and I have grown apart a little bit. As I grew up in age, Buddy kind of faded to the background, and he now lives in my storage closet, which makes me feel a little guilty whenever I think of the premise of that movie. So Buddy might have to come out of the storage closet when I get home. But anyways, even as a kid, I always noticed that every Disney movie that I watched always had that awful, mean villain that you just love to hate. And my least favorite villain, I, oh, I hated this guy. He got on my nerves. It's Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. You guys know him, right? He's that guy that's like, no, Belle, you don't need to be happy. You don't need to be smart or intelligent. You got me, and I'm great. And oh, oh, that guy got under my skin. Gaston is gorgeous, right? He is so fine. He's got the muscles, the hair. He's great, right? But then he talks. He opens his mouth, and he is terrible. He's so unself-aware that it's almost painful. And Saul is a lot like Gaston. So that's who we're going to be talking about tonight is Saul. He's basically Gaston's equivalent. So Saul was tall, he was dark, he was handsome, he was dreamy. He had it all going on just like Gaston. But also like Gaston, he was not very bright, super dumb, very shallow, and he is the villain of our story tonight. So tonight I'm going to allow you to grow a strong dislike for Saul because he's awful. You guys will hear about a ton of his many, many downfalls. But what's so interesting about Saul's story is that his mistakes that he makes are relatable. You can totally relate to them and seem yourself kind of making the same mistakes. So tonight we're going to look at Saul's story and we're going to use it as a what not to do guide in developing our own relationship with God. So Saul's story is found in 1 Samuel, and it is a pathetic one. Though he was an anointed king chosen by God and the very first king of Israel, we find that he constantly falls short of the leader that he was supposed to be. So story time. Israel wanted a king, and up to this point in history, Israel had never before had a king because they had never really needed one. So they had these like huge threats facing them from the countries around them. They're all like hate Israel. They want to attack it with all their weapons and stuff. And then Israel wasn't getting along politically either. So they were in this huge mess, and they thought that having a king would help them be more secure, have better leadership. I don't know what it was. So they went to Samuel, and Samuel is this super wise guy, and he has this amazing relationship with God. And he was actually a prophet during this time. Now, what a prophet was, was a guy who had this amazing relationship with God, and he basically was God's voice box. Like, he would talk to the people for God, because back in the Old Testament times, People didn't have direct access to God like we do today. So they had to go through Samuel in order to talk to God and for God to talk to them. So they went to Samuel and they're like, all right, 
we need a king. We're facing these huge threats. Please ask him to give us one. And Samuel warns them. He's like, no, you don't need a king. You need to obey God, listen to him, and he will help you guys out. But they're like, no, we want a king. Go to him and ask. So Samuel goes to God, and he's like, okay, these guys want a king. I tried to tell them that they don't need one. They won't listen to me. So God is fed up, and he's like, fine. You want a king? I'll give you a king. So he looks at this big country of Israel, and out of all of the people in it, he chooses Saul. But Saul didn't want to be king. He wasn't really qualified. He didn't really come from like a long line of kings in his family. He actually came from the smallest tribe of Israel and the least important person in that tribe. So of course he was super insecure. He's like, no, 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 no. I don't deserve this title. I don't need to give it to someone else. But God's like, no, you. So Saul's like, okay, I'll be your king. So we fast forward a few years and we find that Saul's insecurities have led him into becoming a people pleaser. An example of this is found in 1 Samuel chapter 15. The nation of Amalek had made God super, super angry. And God's like, okay, I want to destroy them. I want them annihilated. I want you to go there and kill everyone and everything. That's what he says to Saul. So Saul goes to Amalek and he's like, all right, I'm gonna destroy you guys. And he's like, Wait, that's a nice donkey. I like that donkey. I'm going to keep that donkey. What? Look at that horse. Whew. I, I need that horse. So then he starts like grocery shopping. He's like, I need this and this and this and this and this. Instead of listening to God, he's like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add this to my wish list and this to my coat, and I'm just going to take it all home. So he does, and he blatantly disregards exactly what God tells him to do. So God's so angry at this point. He's like, that's my king. That's the guy that I anointed. That's the guy that I chose, completely ignoring what I told him to do. In 1 Samuel 15, 11, the Lord says to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Did you guys catch that? That blew my mind when, that read that, when I read that. God literally just said that he regretted ever making Saul king. He, the almighty, the all-knowing. And it's because Saul didn't listen. He misused his free will, and he decided what God said, it wasn't important. See, Saul had so little faith in himself that he just did whatever the people of Israel wanted him to do. He became the people's king instead of God's king. And because of this, Saul constantly made the wrong choice. This leads me to my first point tonight. Make the right choice. It's pretty simple, right? Pretty obvious. Be obedient to God. Don't do whatever you think is best. Do what he wants you to do. And I admit to being a lot like Saul here. Before I made my relationship my own, before I made it right with God, I would do whatever I wanted to do. I would make every single wrong choice that I could possibly do. I would completely disregard whatever God had planned for me, and I would try and be my own hero. I would try and make it up as I went along. And this didn't work for me. I would constantly say the wrong thing, constantly make the wrong choice and disappoint the people that loved me. I did that. And then as justification for that, I would say, oh, I'm young, I'm free, I'm wild, I do what I want, you only live once, YOLO. But what's so dumb about YOLO is it's not true. If you are a Christian, you don't live this lifetime. You get to live this lifetime and the next lifetime with God in heaven forever. And even though I knew this, even though I grew up in church, and I always knew this in the back of my mind, 
I still used it to justify my bad choices. And that was so dangerous. That was so dumb of me because like what happened with Saul, one wrong choice could have screwed up everything. Guys, we have no idea what our future holds, but God does. We have only been living on this earth for a few years, but God created us. He wants so badly for us to just go to him and talk to him and tell him, oh, I'm facing this really hard decision. I need your help with it. Just go to him and do that. Guess what? He'll tell you what to do. And when he tells you what to do, you can listen to him and do it. And he's always right. Don't try to be a hero and make it up as you go along because that's what Saul did. And he definitely was not a hero. He made this one stupid choice and now his kingdom is gone forever and God has already found him a replacement. In 1 Samuel 15, through 28, we hear Samuel's reply to Saul's choice. It says, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Then Saul admitted to Samuel, yes, I've sinned. I've disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command, for I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. But now please forgive me my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. Pause for a second. When I read this verse, it totally reminded me of something I would do. It's like Saul took a play out of my own playbook whenever I get in trouble with my parents right? Because it's like, oh, I got caught. Oh, no, I don't want my mom to find out. Oh, but she did find out. So it's like, oh, I'm so sorry, mom. Don't ground me, please. I don't want to be grounded. You just instantly like make it up. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. And that's what Saul did in this moment because he knew that he was caught. But Samuel replied, and he was so not falling for it. He's like, no, 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 you're a grown man. Get up off your knees. Listen to me. In verse 26, he says, I will not go back with you. Since you have rejected the Lord's command, he has rejected you as king of Israel. As Samuel turned to go, Saul tried to hold him back and tore the hem of his robe. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to someone else, one who is better than you. So now Saul has been left by God and Samuel. He doesn't have access to either. He can't talk to either of them. And he still is king of Israel. Poor Israel, right? So fast forward a couple of years of David chasing and bad ruling and the death of Samuel. And we find Saul, who is still king, who still doesn't know what the heck he's doing, and who is absolutely screwed without Samuel. We also find Israel in the midst of war with the Philistines. Now, the Philistines are the worst, okay? They're like basically a modern-day ISIS who wants so badly to see Israel fall. So this huge battle is brewing between Israel and the Philistines, and Saul knows that he will probably lose because he sucks. So he tries over and over again. He's like, God, please help me. Please give me the wisdom. Please show me what to do. Please, I need you. But God's ignoring him. He's like, no, I'm done with you. Saul is desperate at this point. And in 1 Samuel 28, 3 through 21, he no joke goes out and finds a medium. And a medium is someone that can kind of conjure up spirits and like raise them to where they can talk to you again, even when they're dead. So he goes out 
and he finds a medium. This is what he does. This is in the Bible. So just a little side note here. Mediums aren't cool. Just because it's in the Bible does not mean you should do it. Saul is the worst, and that's why he used one. So don't be like Saul. Also, while we're at it, Ouija boards, Dungeons and Dragons, Harry Potter, pretty much every film that's considered a horror film is crap. It's all witchcraft, it's all dangerous, it's not fun, it's dumb. If you have any further questions, go ask a pastor. Don't talk to me about it. So he finds a medium, don't really. So he finds a medium and he asks her to call up Samuel's spirit from the dead. This is what he does. So he goes up to the medium, he's like, medium, help me, help me, help me, I need to, I need to talk to Samuel. And the medium's like, uh-uh, no, King Saul, he banned me, I'm not allowed to do that. And he's like, but I am King Saul. I actually need you to help me. What a hypocrite, right? So he literally goes to someone that he banned to help him out. So the medium's like, okay, if you promise not to kill me, I'll call up Samuel. So she does. She calls him up, and all of a sudden his spirit rises up before the medium and Saul, and Samuel looks at Saul, and he's like, are you kidding me? You pathetic loser. I was up in heaven enjoying my life. I was in paradise having the time of my life. And you bring me down here? Oh, he's livid. And Saul's like, oh, I'm so sorry, Sammy. I just, I got so scared. The Philistines are coming at me. I don't know what to do. Help me. And Samuel's like, you're pathetic. Oh, my gosh. God and I, we're done with you, dude. Get that through your tiny head. We are not going to help you. In fact, tomorrow when the Philistines come to attack Israel, you're going to die. And so are your sons. Philistines are going to take your sons. They're going to take you and they're going to kill your army. This is all going to happen and it's all going to happen in one day. And it does. In 1 Samuel 31, 1 through 6, it says, Now the Philistines attacked Israel, and the men of Israel fled before them. Many were slaughtered on the slopes of Mount Goloba. The Philistines closed in on Saul and his sons, and they killed three of his sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malkishua. Try saying that three times fast. (laughs) The fighting grew very fierce around Saul, and the Philistine archers caught up with him and wounded him severely. Saul groaned to his armor bearer, take your sword and kill me before these pagan Philistines come to run me through and taunt and torture me. But his armor bearer was afraid and would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. When his armor bearer realized that Saul was dead, he fell on his own sword and died beside the king. So Saul, his three sons, his armor bearer, and all of his troops all died together that same day. Isn't that so sad? That verse is devastating. Saul, his entire family, even the, ar- or the army of Israel, all fell, all died, and all of those deaths were on Saul's shoulders. This brings me to my last point tonight. Make your relationship with God your own. Saul, he never had his own relationship with God. He always just depended on Samuel's. And this worked for a little bit, but when Samuel died, Saul was screwed. I can also relate to Saul's story here. See, I grew up in this church. My dad was a pastor. I've spent hours upon hours upon hours. And I never really felt like I needed to make my relationship my own. Mine was just handed to me on a silver platter, and I took it for granted. 
I fell into this rut. I fell stagnant with my faith. I didn't appreciate what was given to me. I started to worship without really caring or meaning the words. I rarely prayed, and I never, ever read my Bible. I was lost, and I didn't even know it. And it was because I just took for granted the precious, precious thing that was given to me because it was just handed to me. Saul is really similar to me in this way. See, I never made my faith my own because I never needed to. Same with Saul. He could just depend on Samuels all the time. And he never had to do anything. He literally just took the kingdom of Israel. It was just handed to him with no strings attached. He carelessly accepts it. And then he does whatever he wants to do with it. Instead of listening to God, trying to align his choices and his life with God... He just does whatever he wants to do, and he takes God's kingdom, and he runs away with it. In the end, he was even selfish with his own life. He committed suicide, and that was the most selfish thing that he could have done. Saul did the exact opposite of our points tonight, and it all began with him not having his own relationship with God and depending on Samuel's instead. He was lazy with his relationship, and because of this, he wasn't obedient. He was selfish, and it all led down to his downfall. What is heartbreaking about Saul's story is that he was destined to be great. He was the chosen one, but he relied on Samuel's faith so much that when Samuel was gone, all of Saul's wisdom and favor and just his faith went along with him. This broke my heart because I so easily could have been a Saul. If I hadn't turned my faith around, if I hadn't decided that I wanted to passionately pursue it, make it something that I loved, I could have gone the same path as Saul. I would have made the wrong choices and messed up over and over and over again. It would have been just so much easier to just align my life with God right then and there. It would have been so much easier. I could have saved so much heartache. If I hadn't have done that, I could have been one of God's regrets. So God wants to stop the Saul epidemic tonight. He wants his followers to have this bold faith. He doesn't want us to be timid. He wants us each to have our own individual relationship that we care about, that we love, that we pursue passionately every single day. He doesn't want us to fall into a rut or be stagnant in our faith. He wants us to be a Samuel or a David who are bold and strong and who earned their wisdom and their favor. Guys, here's the moral of the story tonight. Don't be a Saul. Don't be cowardly or dependent on another person to make you better. Be a Samuel who ended up being one of the wisest men of the Bible. Because he went the distance, he cared, he tried, he loved God, and he passionately pursued him every day. And because of this, he was one of the greatest men in the Bible because he pursued that relationship, and he always obeyed God. Because why would you want to try and make it up as you go along when God is standing right there waiting to give you the right answer. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we just come to you right now and we just thank you for entering this room, God, and just touching our hearts, God, for letting us feel your presence. We pray right now that you can just give us the strength to be a Samuel or a David, God. That you can just make us into that passionately pursuing person who just cares so much about you, God. That you can give us the strength that it takes to wake up every day, pray to you, talk to you constantly, read our Bible, worship you, God. That you can just give us that endurance that it takes, God, because we know in the end it'll make it all worth it. 
We love you so much, and we just ask that you will guide us through this week, God, that you will guide us through the school year, that your will will be done in all of our lives. And we just thank you so much in advance for all of your blessings that you're going to rain down on us. We love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Have a great week, guys. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.